there is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Well, hello there, everybody. Uh, another thrilling episode of the Paranoia Podcast. I am Olaf Phillips. I am the publisher of Paranoia. And I'm Ron Patton, editor-in-chief of Paranoia. Ron Patton, international conspiracy superstar. Still? Yeah. Hey, did you know that actually I was voted the sexiest conspiracy guy for 2016? Okay. And it's... 2016 isn't even over yet. Jeez. How'd yeah, that, you, how'd you, you nailed that in April. <laughs> four, that is a four bargain, months, man. Four months in. <laughs> yeah. Little payola don't hurt. Little payola. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I said that. I think I'm just really tired. I had a busy weekend over at the West Coast Hunters Convention with Clyde Lewis and... We had a good time. It was just, uh, you know, you just don't get a lot of rest when you usually go to weird conventions like that. No, and everybody's got a story. You know, when you, I used to go to Conspiracy Con and, and uh, every, you know, yeah. everybody would be like, oh, let me tell you about the UFO I saw. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you about the severed head that was crawling on the floor. You know, let me, let me tell you when I levitated. <laughs> Yeah, but it was, you know, it was for a good cause, actually. Uh, a lot of the money went to uh, kids with autism or That's hearing, awesome. hearing impairments. So, and, uh, you know, there were a few people from Hollywood, you know, makeup type people that right on. worked on uh, horror movie sets and also people in the uh, haunted house industry. Oh, there you so, go. But uh, so anyway, I, I might be a little, a little sedated just due to the fact that I'm really tired. A little loopy, you mean? Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> All right. I'm, al- I'm always a little loopy, so maybe I'm super loopy. You're always a lot loopy, Ron. That's okay. You're, you're, you're the fun and games in this operation. That is true. That is true. <laughs> so, but I was wondering, what do we have in store today? Well, uh, we got another request. Uh, this time to discuss number stations and uh, all things espionageable uh, related to number stations. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the really bad uh, 2013 movie with John Cusack. I'm talking about the real deal. The real oh. deal number stations. Oh, so there was a movie based on number stations? <coughs> Yeah, there was a, a movie back in 2013 with John with John Cusack mm-hmm. that was really hilarious because you know number stations are they're shortwave broadcasts so you can imagine that there's a 
you know, a shortwave transmitter buried in a in a bunker somewhere as mm-hmm. part of a military communications complex, and it's got a big old tower, right? You know, and, and these guys are sitting there running the Morse code generators, running the the uh, vocal generators, and you know, drinking a coffee, going, "Man, I'm bored. I want to go home." Right. In the number in the, in the movie, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's like in a bunker, but the, like the bunker is like designed. So like when you go in, it's kind of like going into I you know subterranean IKEA. Gotcha. And in the center, there's this like round desk, like this uh, Walter Cronkite desk. Mm-hmm. And there's like a screen, and the the woman mm-hmm. I forget the the woman who's in it, but she she goes in and she sits down at this desk, and then she reads. There's a like this beautiful mic, and she reads like the numbers on the screen, and like behind her, there's like. <laughs> You know, there's like, it's so funny. There, there's like um, clocks. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what time it is in Helsinki. This is what time it is in Moscow, Tokyo, New York, London, right. Madrid, you know, Frankfurt. Ooh. And, you know, really? it's it's like in reality, yeah. th- these guys don't give a shit. You know, right. they don't care. They're, they're down in the bunker. It's like, oh, 15 after the hour, turn on the buzzer. Right. You know, it's not... They're not like drink. They don't have like an espresso maker, and they're not like drinking, you know, espresso and chatting about these, you know, deep philosophical concepts. Like they're running this stuff. It's like, dude, I want to go home. I'm tired. Right. They have their job, and they're trying to do it. But yeah, well, that's you know what makes movies is sensationalism and embellishing. Really well, happens. You would know, Ron oh, Patton, yeah? conspiracy actor. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Um, so, yeah, the movie's in film festivals right now, South of Eight. By the way, yeah, I do want to point out something. Yeah. Uh, besides being into conspiracies, I also love bad movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, uh, I got together with Mr. Lobo and, uh, and his wife, Dixie. Yeah, and we created a, a television show for for our our uh, Roku TV network. Yeah, called, called Utopia Fantastica. Mm-hmm. And in, and uh, basically, the idea is that we take these Eastern European movies, which is hilarious because I'm about to like go off on all these Eastern European. Well, there's some Cuban ones too, but these number stations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we take these these movies and then we change the subtitles. Or don't provide mm-hmm. subtitles, and then you watch it, and it's hosted by a by a wonderful lady named uh, Cosmonati. Ooh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Well, seeing as that it's yesterday was May Day, yeah, uh, they did the May Day episode, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they went they went and found a, a May Day a clip of May Day from 1974 from Russia. Mm-hmm. From the Soviet Union, and there's Brezhnev. I'm pretty sure it's Brezhnev. But there's Brezhnev standing there, you know. And and they they took the whole thing, and they subtitled the whole May Day parade. <laughs> Was there music? Of course. Okay. Okay. And dancing and levity, some, wow. nu- some nuclear weapons. Uh, so it's kind of like campy conspiracy. It is. It is. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, but you guys should check it out. OSI74.com. It is hilarious. I mm. watch. I could not stop laughing. Can we like critique it and like do it on Skype and have like a critique or something? That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. I'd have to figure out how to get the damn audio thing to work though. 
Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm not that talented. Yeah. <laughs> not that well, someday. Someday. When you, when someday. you grow up, Uncle Olaf. Yes, when I grow out of being a, a little conspiracy boy into a big conspiracy man. There you go. There you go. All right. But so, we, <laughs> yeah, this number station thing. Number stations. You know, when, when you first told me about it, it's like number station. What the heck? But once I started, you know, doing a little bit of research on it and actually heard some of those shortwave uh, broadcasts, you know, archive broadcast, I go, I've heard those before. And I had no idea what they meant, you know, or, or what they were being used for. So perhaps you can uh, enlighten us. I would like to illuminate you, Ron. Okay, I'm ready, brother. All right, so basically the, the concept behind a number station is fairly simple, right? They, they were invented uh, in the years, well, during World War I. That's when they really started to use them. Um, the idea is really easy. Uh, you use a shortwave transmitter, mm-hmm. and then you 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 send out coded transmissions uh, using alphanumeric uh, messages, right? So it'll be numbers or it'll be letters, and then those letters represent a kind of key, and then that key is used on a one-time use pad, basically a mm-hmm. pad of paper where you only have the key is only used once. Oh, and then they destroy they it destroy or burn it. it or whatever. Or they eat, eat it. it. Yeah. You know, okay. Maple syrup. Or they shove it up there. Yeah. Okay. No, but gotcha. you can't. You can't shove it up. You know, because you're not going to destroy it. You have to destroy it because as oh, long yeah, as that yeah, exists. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Right. As long as it exists, you can decrypt the the message. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, okay. the use of the one time pad makes it effectively undecipherable. Mm-hmm. That it's it is literally impossible to crack, you know. It's similar to the Enigma that in that way, but like the Enigma, the problem with the Enigma machine is that when the Nazis were sending Enigma messages back and forth, the Enigma operators started to get lazy. Mm-hmm. Right. So what they would do is they instead of using predefined keys that would, you know, I'm going to use this key on Thursdays. They would start. They would send the key. The decryption key in in the message at the beginning, mm-hmm. and and that was fine because we didn't have an Enigma machine, so we had no idea what it all meant. Mm-hmm. But then we got an Enigma machine, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, that's the key!" So it had rotary dials, like a like a rotary telephone thing, but they're they were in front of you, and you would rotate the dial to to spell something out. Mm-hmm. And then that was the key. And then it, your your message was based on that key. So it was like a shared key. Right. And so so once we got an Enigma machine, we were able to decipher all of the messages because they were sending the key in the in the clear in the header of the message. Gotcha. This prevents that unless you are able to get the one-time use pad. In, as long as you don't have a one-time use pad, the correct one, you can't decipher it. Right, right. So, um, are number stations still in use? Is it obsolete at all? No, it's still in use. Hmm. Even to this day, because it can't. Although it's mechanically simple. Right. You know the the premise behind it is very basic. Right. Um, it's almost undis- uncrackable. Gotcha. So it it represents an easy way to send coded transmissions to to agents of your country. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, for example, uh, the Russians have a number of them, and, you know, they're sending messages to KGB operatives or, uh, sorry, FSB operatives inside the United States, or, you know, we have them, and we're sending coded messages to CIA. You know, there's there are ones that are German. There are ones that are English. The, the uh, Lincolnshire poacher mm-hmm. is English. You know, Mossad has one. You can kind of, the Chinese have them. The Cubans have them. You know, you can kind of figure out, like, who's operating it by where it's located. Because mm-hmm. the, there's a there's a kind of subculture of people that they collect the recordings, like the Conat Project and the Enigma Group. They co- collect the recordings, and they try to figure out where these places are. Mm-hmm. So a couple of them will, like, try to triangulate the transmitter, and then they can figure out where it's actually broadcasting from. Right, but you can't necessarily find who's receiving it, right? It's impossible to tell who's receiving it because you're just yeah. blowing it out over the air. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. That that would be like me here, here in the uh, in the paranoia command bunker in Northern California, trying to figure out if you're listening mm-hmm. to KXL. I mean, there, I would have no way of knowing mm-hmm. because the transmission is just put out over uh, over shortwave, and the same number number or letter combination can mean radically different things to different people because it's all determined by the one-time use pad. Right. So you can send one message out, and that message might mean four different things. The gotcha. other, Yeah, the, the other thing that, that people have found is that when they look at this stuff, that there's actually subcarriers carrying, like, burst mm-hmm. transmissions and... You know, a lot of other things that, that they're doing with them. It's not just number number stations. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can you can look at, at uh, there are quite a number of, of stations that originate out of Asia, and you can listen to them, and they'll be playing like classical music. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the subcarriers, you're you'll find number stations or you'll find burst transmissions. Mm-hmm. And basically, what a burst transmission is, this is a little more complex, right? So there's an encryption terminal, and you type out a message or you put in maps, pictures, whatever you want, and then you compress it down into this tiny little message. And then the message is sent out over over the radio or satellite. And then the person on the other end sits down in the middle of the jungle and unfolds a small uh, satellite dish. Wow. And then connects it to yeah. Toshiba Toughbook, and mm-hmm. then they can they receive the transmission, decrypt it, and decompress it, decompress mm-hmm. it, decom- decrypt it, and then they have the message. Now that sounds like super spy kind of stuff, right there. Well, well, this is all kind of super spy stuff, right? Now some of the some of the number stations are obviously coded messages that are being sent out to you know intelligence operatives. But there are other ones that people really can't explain. Mm-hmm. They send out like rapid tones, like beep 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 beep. It'll do that like twenty four hours a day. Right. Are there any like computer type tones that are on there? There are. Okay. Computer generated tones. Yeah, there are computer generated tones like trigger tones. Sure. And but a lot of times, like people can't figure out what those are for. Mm-hmm. So there's a range of theories that that it's over the horizon radar, that there's some sort of a beacon mm-hmm. to lock on to. Um, there, you know, there there are stations where they'll broadcast the letter C. 
continuously in Morse code 24 hours a day, it'll just be like C, 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 24 hours a day. So the the true nature of what a lot of these uh, number stations are um, is obscured, that there are a lot of guesses as to what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that, that the ones with letters or numbers, you know, are intelligence operations that are are sending coded messages to intelligence operatives. Right. You know, the ones where they're sending burst transmissions, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, they're sending uh, data, they're sending and receiving data. Mm-hmm. Uh, over these frequencies, but some of the other ones where they're just tones, beep, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Who knows? It's impossible to tell. That's the that's actually the beauty of the number station, mm-hmm. is that you can't tell what it is. Right. I wonder if there's a lot of disinformation, too. Like, they'll have some sort of, like, uh, code that appears to be consistent you know, and, uh, you know, you have other people, other countries listening in. They're going, oh, we think we got something here. So is there any of that kind of stuff that goes on where they they try to, you know, put out disinformation? No, because you can't tell what it is anyway. Oh, okay. I mean, intercepting the signal doesn't really tell you anything. Right. So, so it's sort of a mood point to yeah. even try to decipher it, right? Right. Now, occasionally... Weird things happen. Mm-hmm. For example, I think it was 12 hours before... Well, there, there's a very famous one called UVB-76. It's also called the buzzer. Mm-hmm. It has a bunch of names. Let's see. Uh, UVB-76, the buzzer, US, UZB-76, MDZB, HB, ZH, UOZ. Um, I mean, it's got a bunch, right? But they call it the buzzer because when it turns on... It, it'll send a buzz, like, and then it'll mm-hmm. send a message. Right. Well, 12 hours, remember the coup back in 91? What about it? Okay, well, maybe I should mention. So for those of you who who may not know about this, that in 1991 there was, a, there was an attempted uh, coup d'etat in, in the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was falling apart. Oh yeah, I remember that. Right, and and you know they were trying. Yeltsin had this had kind of taken over, and there were elements of the military that were not happy about Yeltsin because he was seen as a, being a crazy reformer. Right, mm-hmm. so they they were going to take him out, and so what happened was, is that twelve hours before the coup. Uh, UVB-76 turned on, sent an encrypted, or sent a quote-unquote encrypted message, and basically, um, it's a, it sounds like a standard UVB message, but it, it does the, and then it says the number five, five times, and then Hmm. it stops, and then it does, then, and then it says repeating, or something like that, it says five, 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 and it does this a couple of times, and then 12 hours later, there was a coup d'etat. Interesting. Yeah, actually, I'm going to now play a recording of that, but because I'm technically illiterate, Ron cannot hear it. But I'll pretend that I can hear it. That's right. So, so Ron, listen yes. to this amazing recording from the Kona Project. Yes, 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 yes. 
Wow, wasn't that amazing? I can't believe it. It just, it really blows me away. I don't even know what to say. It was just so incredible. But uh, is there more? Well, of course. I have a whole bunch. Well, uh, maybe, maybe throw one more on. I don't know. <laughs> we have entirely too much fun doing this show. <laughs> okay, so the... Uh. So the, I want one that's highly stimulating. You know, okay. it's going to stimulate my pleasure center. <laughs> All right. This one will stimulate your pleasure center. This is the Backwards Whale Music Station. Okay. Ready? Go. And it's just like it's it's beyond comprehension, really. Well, well, Ron, you just got to really hear it to believe it. That's all I can say. If you if you had actually heard what it was, it basically sounds like a a whale having a seizure. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it sounds like backwards music. Right. It's very strange, and, and nobody can figure out what it's for. And then this mm. is this is the Lincolnshire Poacher run by MI5. Nine, 
Interesting. Yeah, so the Lincolnshire Poacher uh, is run out of RAF Aquatiri in uh, in Cyprus. Right. Now, now we're going to do a fun one. This is the V2 uh, operated by Cuban intelligence out of Havana and other locations. Okay. Now, some of the other ones that, that exist, uh, there's D, there's there's hundreds. I mean, there's literally hundreds of them. But these are some fun ones: uh, DCF thirty seven and DFD twenty one. Uh, those mm-hmm. those were operated out of West Germany. Those went dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cherry Ripe, that is operated, I believe, by MI5 out of Guam. Uh, it's seen as the sister to the Lincolnshire Poacher. Mm-hmm. There's a really awesome one called the Yosemite Sam that's operated out of New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's a fun one because it's uh it's kind of leader header is a, mm-hmm. a thing out of Yosemite Sam where he's like I'm gonna kill you you goddamn right. varmint right <clears throat> then there's UV 76 uh, that was formally uh, transmitted out of P- Povarovo Russia but is now part of the 69th communication hub near Narofominsky Rush uh, outside of Moscow Mm-hmm. There's the PIP, known as the drop in Russia, and it transmits from the. Now th- this is awesome. It transmits from the X X seventy second communication center. Hmm. The it actually transmits from the X seventy second. So it's not the seventy second communication center now. Right. It's the X seventy second communication center. Hmm. Right. It's trippy. Trippy and confusing. Yeah. And then there's the squeaky wheel. Uh, near, that's broadcast near Rostov-on-Don in Russia. Mm-hmm. Now, additionally, the Russians have what are called letter beacons. Uh, these are just beacons that broadcast letters in Morse code. Uh, C is broadcast out of Moscow, D, Odessa, O, Moscow, P, Kaliningrad, uh, S is Archangelic, I can never pronounce this one, Archangelic, uh, U is broadcast somewhere around Murmansk, and Z is broadcast from Mukachevo in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Of course, that one may not be broadcast there anymore because the Ukraine is on fire, but it used to be. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's really how it works. You know, uh, if you want to see it in operation, kind of a fun way to see it is to watch The Americans, uh, that TV show about the sleeper agents on the Fox channel. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's it's pretty good. You know, they're, they're Soviet illegals. Um, I forget what director. It's like the R directorate. Um in the KGB, and they're basically sleeper agents. They were trained to be American. And so every once in a while, you'll see them go down to the basement, mm-hmm. and they'll pull out the shortwave receiver. And it, you can use any shortwave receiver to pick this stuff up. You just you need to know the schedule because right. they're on schedules, and you need to know the, um, the proper frequency. And if you have the if you have a shortwave radio, a schedule on the frequency, you can listen to yourself. And um, they'll they'll pick it up. They'll pull out the one time use pad. They'll actually decrypt it using a one time use pad. Then they they smoke cigarettes and light it on fire. <laughs> so, well, they're you know Soviet KGB agents. Yeah, they have to smoke cigarettes, right? Of course, that's, that's a KGB thing to do. Of course, right. But that's, you know, you can actually see it in operation or see a simulation of what it would be like. Mm-hmm. But I, I have some more. Uh, I have the, this one is dashes, I say again, dashes. Eight, nine. This is the pip.
I knew the pickles. I don't know. It, it, it blow it, you it, away. Just, yeah, it just made me laugh. I don't know why. Maybe the rhythm. The, there's a certain rhythm to it. That's why. You know, I, I really like member stations. Uh, you know, I find them to actually be very relaxing. Uh-huh. You know, I've met other people that think they're scary to listen to because of all the distortion. Right. But, um, you know, before I did this, I wanted to go look up where, like, the Lincolnshire Poacher was. And Mm -hmm. I always forget where some of these are, you know, or some of the stories about it. Like, the UVB-76 actually shut down for a long time. And then recently it fired back up again. I'm pretty sure that was UVB-76. And, you know, there are some funny stories about it. Like, one time these guys were listening to the UVB-76, and in the background they started to hear people talking. And they're like, mm-hmm. and these people are talking in Russian. They're speaking in Russian, and they're saying things like, I don't know if the generator's turned on. Hey, hey, you know, mm-hmm. hey, can you check and see if the generator's on? And they're they're talking. And they and don't even realize that they're on. Right, uh, and it's broadcasting. Yeah. Right. So, you know, there, there are a lot of interesting ones. I mean, you know, that's when you know that it's being monitored and somebody's mm-hmm. there. But but in the process of looking this up, you know, it, it was interesting because there are some real cracked out theories about what these things are. Right. Hey, um, could one possible theory deal with aliens, perhaps? Actually, no, not oh, at all. Damn, damn. Not at all. I was hoping they would, like, utilize this very primitive means of communication you know no but you know what i'll tell you uh i'll tell you a theory that that is like a number station already that supposedly does have aliens involved mm-hmm. ron do we need to go for a twofer with this episode uh it's a possibility yeah. i don't know can the audience take it i think so let's give it to him all right. Number stations are actually pretty simple about how they operate and what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I did hear some crazy theories like people broadcasting number stations from the Bermuda Triangle, like survivors. And mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to ask myself, it's like, you know what? I'm on the Cyclops. Right. Right. It's like 1918 or 1920 or whenever that thing sank. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on the Cyclops, this huge ore carrier that's like going through the Bermuda Triangle and it disappears without a trace. So mm-hmm. I'm stranded on some desert island surrounded by Lemurians, you know, with, with pyramids and crystal power. And what am I going to do? I'm going to send a message that says, one, four, nine, one, two. Repeat. One, four, nine, one, two. That's that's asinine. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that doesn't make a lot of sense, really. No. And, you know, th- there are other... There is some disinformation. I mean, there there are, are people that are part of government orifices that will come out and say, oh, no, the buzzer is not sending, sending you know, communications to sleeper agents. Right. No, 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 no. Those numbers represent, you know, airflow, right? That's right. temperature data. <laughs> no, we send Morse code to practice. I mean, so they do do things like that, but it's, it's so transparent. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody believes it. So, uh, you know, whatever. Gotcha. All right, so theory number two that's actually tangentially related. There's a there's a guy by the name of Dr. Paul LaViolette. I've heard of him. Okay. Yeah. He has an actual PhD from Oregon State. 
mm-hmm. which sets them apart from a lot of people in the conspiracy world that that got their their PhDs from diploma mills. But mm-hmm. He he really has one in systems theory, and he came up that he came up with a very fascinating idea. Mm-hmm. So, out in space, there are things called pulsars. Right. Right, and basically, what a pulsar does is it sends a radio signal at some interval. Some of them are millisecond pulsars, so they'll send these radio bursts like every millisecond. Mm-hmm. Some of them take five minutes. Some of them take twenty-seven minutes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of variable, right? Right. Well, what he noticed was that the pulsar concentrations increased as you went toward the galactic core. Mm -hmm. And the distribution of the pulsars was somewhat regular. Hmm. Okay? Gotcha. I'm following. Okay. And there were also pulsars that were located near strange things, like the the Crab Nebula Mm -hmm. or the Horsehead Nebula. There's pulsars near those locations. Now, I can't remember why, but there's the speed of the pulsar is also important in this model, right? And and if you're interested, you should read Messengers of the Galaxy, because that explains it in depth. Mm-hmm. But basically, his idea was, is that the pulsars were actually some sort of a navigation network. Mm-hmm. And so what, what aliens would do is that they would lock onto a pulsar, and the speed of the pulsar would would help them to guide themselves through space. So they would go from pulsar to pulsar, kind of like you'd go from, if you were flying an airplane, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd go from navigation beacon to navigation beacon. So, like, when you fly on an airplane, let's say you fly from Portland to uh, New York. Mm -hmm. So Portland has a navigation beacon. Then you're going to pick up one and say Idaho Falls. Then you're going to pick up another one and say Salt Lake City, right? And you're right. going to follow these navigation beacons, and they create highways in the sky. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. Yes, I have. Okay, well, it creates a highway in the sky. They're like channels of aircraft, mm-hmm. right? And they fly from beacon to beacon, or they know that they're so far from a beacon, mm-hmm. and so then they can figure out where they are. Gotcha. So the pulsars function in a very similar way. But additionally, he, he believes that the pulsars are also markers of to warn you when something's coming. Mm-hmm. Warning, warning. Warning, warning. Danger, Will Robinson. So okay. what he believes is that there's a gravity superwave that's generated from the center of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And this gravity superwave comes out and breaks things right i mean it's it's destructive it blows up stars and some of these some of these stellar remnants like the various nebula or the remnants of you know of a supernova mm-hmm. are were caused by gravity waves so they put beacons there so they'll know when it passes that point so you know that the the gravity superwave is coming Right. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was pretty awesome. I'd like to experience that. What, a gravity superwave? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't. That would be super trippy. Well, yeah. it'll be like was it Star Trek Generations? Mm-hmm. When Kirk and Picard are fighting on the or not Kirk and Picard, but Kirk and Picard are fighting uh, Malcolm McDowell on the rocks. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that one. You know, the whole time I'm going dun 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 because Kirk is fighting. I'm Kirk. I'm fighting you. Right. I'm a badass. You know. But yeah, that that shockwave looking thing. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It'd be very unpleasant. Well, I don't know. It just really depends on your perspective. Really, might be exciting. I'm not sure how that would be. Okay. Okay. Hey, I had another question about these uh, number stations. Now, have they, um, I guess logistically, have they changed, like, as far as different countries? When they first started out, they were primarily in, like, the Soviet Union and uh, Cuba and stuff like that. Have they they changed from where they actually broadcast or transmit from now? You know, sometimes they do. Um, uh-huh. In the case of the Soviet Union, some of them, when the Soviet Union collapsed, right? Um, they, they had to move some of them mm-hmm. because, you know, Poland is no longer, you know, very uh, friendly with the Russians. Right. So there, there was a number station in Poland and they had to move it out of there. Mm-hmm. So what you'll see is that, you know, number stations will disappear and then they'll reappear mm-hmm. and they'll be transmitting from a different location. Every once in a while, they move them around just to move them around. But a lot of these have been broadcasting from the same place for, you know, years and years and years. But, yeah, I mean, with the collapse of the, what's actually interesting is that, you know, people think about the Soviet Union. But mm-hmm. in, in a military sense, what's actually more important than the Soviet Union was something called the Warsaw Pact. Right. And the Warsaw Pact was equivalent to NATO. So mm-hmm. it, within the Warsaw Pact, you know, you had <clears throat> you had these countries like satellite countries like Estonia, Lithuania, Czechoslovakia at the time, that these these were all part of the Warsaw Pact, but not part of the the Soviet Socialist Republic. That the, mm-hmm. the USSR, the Soviet Union itself, you know, it had gone out and, and it and taken places like Chechnya and and you know some you know there the uh, a bunch of autonomous regions outside of Siberia, you know, and they they had fused that into the Soviet Union, but a lot of these satellite countries that existed in Eastern Europe, like the you know the East Germans, for example, right, were not part of the Soviet Union per se. They mm-hmm. were more like part of the Warsaw Pact. And Got actually, it. the East Germans were very active. The East German Stasi had a very, they had a very um, lively uh, intelligence operation, and they used to run a number of uh, number stations as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, the Stasi, the Stasi is a unit. I mean, they they did some crazy stuff, you know, back in the eighties. They those East Germans, man, they really wanted to win like the Olympics, right? So the Stasi launched a full-blown program to engineer uh, to engineer growth hormones and other things that could not be detected by the Olympic Committee. What? Yeah, for real. They they actually took some of the best chemists and biologists 
in eastern eastern Germany, East Germany, mm-hmm. and they put them on this crack program to build steroids that couldn't be detected. Oh man. Yeah, and they they were doing like like crazy things like they were sewing they were sewing webbing onto people's mm-hmm. hands and feet so that mm-hmm. they could swim faster. They were developing more sophisticated ways to coat their skin so that right. they would like glide through the water. Right. Well, if they so they were using a lot of scientific type stuff, right? Yeah, they they were trying to engineer super athletes. Gotcha. Well, it's also Soviet Union was involved in that because I know that they poured so much money and resources into, you know, their uh, their sports or athletics, you know, because that was part of propaganda, right? Oh, for real. It's the uh, Olympics and World Games and, you know, trying to show that they have the superior athletes of the world. But in the case of the East Germans, they actually had an entire doping program. Uh-huh. That they had they had engineered a doping program. Gotcha. I mean, straight up. I mean, they were pumping these people full of steroids, mm-hmm. and these steroids were engineered by Stasi doctors to not be detectable. Whew. Yeah, but the Stasi was very active, and they they had a number of uh, number stations that that were active, and the Cubans too. I mean, you have to remember that the Cubans. You know, for a long time, we're fermenting revolutions up and down Central and South America. You know, mm-hmm. so they, they had V2 running. I mean, V2's running to this day. You know, sometimes about 10, 10 or 11 o'clock at night, I'll go out and, and scan. I think it's a 6,000 6, megahertz range, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go listen to V2 because it's very strange. I mean, I, I know you couldn't hear it, mm-hmm. but the, with the distortion, the way that the they read the numbers. Right. It's very eerie. It's a very, very eerie thing to listen to. It's almost very scary. Right. In fact, Order. I scared somebody today. Do they do that on purpose as sort of a way to, like, intimidate or what? No, I think they – It no. I mean, it's a machine that's actually reading the numbers. Right. In fact, there there was one – there was a, an old Stasi one that somebody sold on eBay. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you search the internet enough, you'll get you'll get wiring schematics on how to build one. Gotcha. But basically, it's it's pretty funny the way it works. Mm-hmm. There's a little start key. You press the start key, then there's a keypad, and then you type in one four seven two nine six three eight, and then you right. hit end, and then you then it, it prints out like a like a um, punch card, mm-hmm. and then it plays it. And then you just output that directly in the transmitter and go. Because the guys that are transmitting it have no idea what it is. Got it. All they know is is they're sitting at their circular IKEA desk drink, drinking espresso, and some guy comes in and <laughs> says, put this out. And they go, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it's interesting. I mean, you know, for the listeners out there, you know, if you want to see espionage at work, Go listen to some number stations. I mean that that's the closest you're gonna get to actually, you know, experiencing espionage. Because when you're listening to it, just think to yourself, there's somebody in a basement somewhere chain smoking Marlboros that's like deciphering this message. And then depending on what that message says, they have to go do something. Mm-hmm. So to you it's an eight it's an eight digit number. But to them it's it's orders. 
Mm-hmm. So you know that's something to keep in mind when you when you're listening to it. Jeez. And you know there are other fun things you can do too. I mean, there if you scan the frequencies, just take a, a cheap twenty dollar, fifty dollar um, shortwave radio. Yeah. Go, go outside at night and just scan. Mm-hmm. And when you- oh, I, I, yeah, I love doing that. I I had one long time ago, and it was just so crazy. I mean, just all the different type of shows and conversations, and again, the the whole number station thing. I I've actually heard those before, mm-hmm. you know. And it's I like what the hell are they saying, you know? But uh, right, there's just so much to it, really. Well, you know what's funny is that sometimes when you're scanning, you get a lot of a lot of anomalous stuff. Yeah. That within the U.S. there are military transmitters mm-hmm. that are scattered all over the United States that that broadcast these weird tones. Yeah. Right, and they they sound like burst transmissions, or or some of them are digital. Uh huh. And nobody knows what they're for. Right. And and a lot of times, like we had one, we actually had one of these transmitters not far from where I went to university, and mm-hmm. it was literally a radio tower with a fence, a couple of fences around it with concertina wire, and it was just a transmitter. And they would just dial into the transmitter and send this message and disconnect. But, you know, you're sitting out in your backyard listening to this stuff, and it just sounds bizarre. And the other thing that that I've started to hear in the last couple of years is that for a long time, there were these uh, frequencies that you could listen to where you could intercept radio traffic going back and forth to Russian fishing trawlers. And, and if if you're not a product of the '80s, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, during the '80s, the late '80s, especially, these things were so ubiquitous that like testers made a model. You could actually like buy a model of one of these Russian or these Soviet fishing trawlers. I, I kid right. you not. And so basically, what these fishing trawlers are is that when you look at them. They just look like these junked up fishing trawlers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're out there fishing for salmon or whatever, tuna or whatever they want to that's get. That's it. That's just a cover or a front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. What it actually was is part of the Soviet Navy, and they they had all kinds of sophisticated com- communications equipment, and they were intercepting radio transmissions. They would sit off the coast, the east coast and the west coast, and down on the Gulf. And they would enter because you know a lot of this stuff's broadcast in the clear, you know. But I mean the 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 top secret stuff is obviously encrypted, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they would broadcast the the stuff, and the the trawlers would pick it up, and it would record it, and then try to decrypt it or send it back to master control, right? So, but they also receive messages. So you could actually hear them in the late 80s with a shortwave transmitter. You could actually hear the fishing trawlers communicating back. It's it's all encrypted, so you don't know what they're talking about. But you could hear the transmissions of the fishing trawlers. So it was a two-way type of... Yeah, those uh, were two-way. Gotcha. But okay. a number station is very much one unit Right, right. Now, hey, earlier you you brought up something re- referring to a Conet project or the Conet project, right? 
And I was wondering if you could maybe kind of elaborate on that. I wasn't exactly sure what that was. Sure. So the Kana Project is is a group of, of people that have collected hundreds of recordings of these things. Mm-hmm. And basically, they they made I think five CDs of mm-hmm. of these communications, and then they put them out for free. So you can go on archive.org and you can listen to them or download them or whatever. Uh, people have put it in music. I mean, you know, because they're so bizarre. But the mm-hmm. but the project itself was was a bunch of people that got together and and pooled all their recordings of the number stations and then made them available to everybody. Okay. And in some cases, they tried to decipher it, saying, okay, well, this one, you know, they would label it, go, okay, this is the buzzer from this date, or this is Attention, or this is V2, or this is, you know, what a UVB 76, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they would tell you, you know, they would give you, like, quote unquote, metadata about it. So they'd say, okay, this is in Russian, but what they're doing is they're saying one, two, three, four, five, or this is in Italian, and what they're saying is, is 6240. Or mm-hmm. you know, this is in, in English, and what it's saying is X. So, right. And then there's another group called the Enigma Group, and what these people do, it's more of a network, and they record this stuff, and then they try to figure out where the transmitters are, and they catalog it, and they <clears throat> they figure out the schedules, and because I mean it's all broadcast in the clear. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they, they're hobbyists that, that track number stations. Gotcha. And they try to figure out what they're doing. Because some of them, <laughs> I said, like I said, were, were part, they broadcast tones. Mm-hmm. Like the backwards whale one. <clears throat> Nobody right. really knows what the backwards whale one is. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it could be some sort of a digital transmission, but nobody can really figure it out. Right. So you know they they'll catalog it as is unknown and they'll try to figure out what it's doing. Or in some cases, some of the digital transmissions can be deciphered because they're sending text, but it's clear, it's clear text, so you can see like um, messages like I'm going to four, I'm going to four, I'm going to four, and you don't know what going to four means, but mm-hmm. you know you can use a you can use a piece of software to actually take the take the binary and turn it into letters and numbers. Hmm. Trippy. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I'd, like to, I'd like to try to get a hold of that. Uh, I'll look into that. The Conet Project. The Conet Project. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. And, you know, at one point, the I, I want to say it was the uh, Department of Commerce actually sued, tried to sue the Cubans over V2. Because they were saying that they were, they were broadcasting an an espionage radio station, <laughs> and so they actually tried to sue them over it. Oh yeah. Yeah, for real. I don't think it went very far. No. Because no. you know the Cubans are like, we're not doing that. Yeah. Prove it's us. Mm-hmm. You know, we have some lady that reads five numbers. It's the air temperature. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can't really do anything about it. Well, what, what I find really intriguing about it is, I mean, the, the technology is so basic and so simple. Yeah. Yet, it's I mean, it, it still can be very vital for mm-hmm. you know, people who are into spying or, 
you know, just sending uh, very deep embedded messages. Well, like I told you, the, in 91, the coup, you know, they broadcast that message uh, 12 hours before the coup. And basically, yeah. it, was a, it was a launch code, so to speak. It was, it was telling everybody who's loyal to the coup, okay, time to, time to for, you know, get everybody together. We're going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so they they used UVB seventy six the buzzer to do that. <laughs> the buzzer. Well, I played it for you, Ron. It's not my fault you can't hear it. I know, I know. But uh, deep down inside, I, I felt it that I, from the vibrational level. <laughs> you probably, felt, you yeah. felt it on a deep emotional level. I did. I did. I think All it's right. just just it's just the way that you you know brought it forward and uh anyway ron you are so full of crap that it is just... <laughs> hey like i said i'm i'm very uh i'm very tired right now no it's cool but i am but i am lucid and cogent so i don't know if you're ever lucid or cogent but i now you're awake break. i'll take it give me a break okay so uh that's all i got but um i did I did want to um, let everybody know about next week, so I got another request. And what is that? Uh, to talk about the television show Rubicon. Okay, now that's up my alley, yeah. We can uh, get into that. So we're talking about more conspiracy, perhaps, right? Oh, yes. The, the, the people behind the TV show Rubicon and the story of what happened to Rubicon... Uh huh. It's pretty interesting, right? So yeah. So uh, do yourself a favor over the next week, watch Rubicon. Gotcha. You'll love it, Ron. You will love that show. And when did it start? Actually, when did it come out? Oh, a couple of years ago. And it was actually, actually, the, I, yeah. It's been around. Actually, I think probably 2010, 2011. It came out about. It around. came out the same time as Mad Men. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, so that was about 2010. Okay, because I remember watching both. And and it it uh, yeah, it it got pretty good ratings, and then it got canceled after the first season. Which Very is interesting long. because uh, I think Dark Skies was on for a couple of seasons, and all of a sudden it was canceled. So, and wasn't both shows were getting really good ratings, right? Yeah, Dark Skies was doing quite well. Yeah. Yeah. As well as Rubicon, so yeah, yeah. So next week, Rubicon. Yeah, brother. I will, I will blow your mind with the conspiracy connections. Well, maybe I'll do the same. So I would that... love that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that that is another thrilling episode of the Paranoia Podcast. A lot of bullshit between two people who have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, come on now. <laughs> no, I th- I thought you gave a good, uh, you know general uh, expose. I did, I think. On, yeah, on the numbers station. Yeah. Like I said, when you first told me what it was going to be about, I'm going, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, but you know, it's foundational. If you want to know right. how how uh, spies communicate, this is how they do it. Right. So, one, of the, one, of the one of the ways. Plethora of well, ways. Not, not to bring in a new topic toward the end of the show, but there, there supposedly are Twitter feeds that do uh-huh. the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
That's right, as a matter of fact. Right. Like there, the San Bernardino shooting allegedly involved some Twitter feeds that were suspect, and there was some sort of connection there. Well, but basically they take the numbers from the number station, they broadcast it on Twitter. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're out there too, so. Okay. Google it. I'll check it out, brother. <laughs> All right. That was it. That's the uh, this thrilling episode of the Paranoia Podcast. Well, thanks for having me on, Olaf Phillips. Uh, it's my pleasure, Ron Patton. So, uh, as I always say, uh, wherever you go, there you are. And take good care and keep the faith. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at OSI74.com. We are resuming control. For now.